This Star News Media Podcast is presented by North Chase Family Dentistry. Open evenings, Saturdays, and they probably take your insurance. Visit them on the web at NorthChaseFamilyDentistry.com. And by Tidewater Heating and Air Conditioning, servicing all major brands with highly trained technicians who are the best the industry has to offer, serving Wilmington and surrounding communities for more than 40 years. Learn more at TidewaterAC.com. And by Cape Fear Pharmacy, a local independent pharmacy providing health care and compounding services customized to meet our patients' needs. Visit CapeFearPharmacy.com today and let us take care of you. What makes for a good Christmas tree? Well, if you're dealing with the live ones, you have to look at if its branches are sturdy but flexible, ready to bear the weight of strings of lights and ornaments for days and weeks to come. Does it have that signature smell of the season, the woodsy fragrance of real, true pine or balsam to which no candle can ever quite do justice? Are its needles still healthy, and its color a deep shade of vibrant green? And even if you go the store-bought artificial route, there are still decisions to be made. Clear or colored lights? Bare branches or dusted with snow? Do you go with the classic green, or is your tree all white or silver? They make them in pretty much every color of the rainbow these days. This is all to say that a lot goes into finding the perfect Christmas tree around which to celebrate the holiday season. And while all of those traits are well and good, when it comes down to it, and forgive me for being sappy, the most important ingredient for any good Christmas tree is the people who gather around it. And for a moment in Wilmington's history, It had that perfect tree that brought together the entire community. A mammoth hallmark of this city's history, the tree that would become known as the world's largest living Christmas tree was a point of pride for Wilmington for more than 80 years. But how did the Cape Fear's communal symbol of the holidays come to be? What happened under its branches each year that attracted so many people from far and wide? And more importantly, why is it gone? And can its magic ever truly be rekindled? This is Cape Fear Unearthed, the podcast exploring the persisting legends historical oddities, and landmark stories of southeastern North Carolina. As always, I'm your host, Hunter Ingram, and I'm a reporter with the Star News here in Wilmington. For this week's special holiday-themed episode, we're looking at a story of true holiday greatness with the world's largest living Christmas tree in Wilmington. Now, If you've been with us since the beginning of this podcast, I know what you're thinking. You've already covered the story of the world's largest living Christmas tree in your first Christmas episode in 2018, and you'd be correct. 
After our first season, we did cover the tree's history, but we did it as part of a shorter episode that included three holiday tales that, looking back on it now, didn't give any of them room to breathe. The tree, especially, was a cornerstone of this region for eight decades, and its impact can still be traced in the memories of its residents to this day. So as we approach the end of the year, I wanted to revisit this story from our history book and also share some new information about the latest attempt to try and recreate some of its communal merriment. Similar to the old Dram Tree and Lumina Pavilion in Wrightsville Beach, the world's largest living Christmas tree is now but a memory for those lucky enough to have experienced it, and just a story for those of us who weren't. So I wanted to share this story with you now, so that maybe, collectively, we can hold on to it together. As always, I will share with you this story as it has been passed down through history and told through legend. And this week, it's just you and I for this holiday story. While you listen to the episode, why not grab a hot holiday drink? And if it just so happens to be a spiked one, you can always play along with a little game. Every time I say world's largest living Christmas tree, take a sip. To get you started, I've already said it five times. But please, if you're listening to this while driving or operating any kind of heavy machinery, hit pause and come back when you can join us safely. As for the rest of you, sit back, grab a cozy blanket, and settle in for this episode of Cape Fear Unearthed. As we journey back to a time when Wilmington could call itself home to the world's largest living Christmas tree. Have you ever asked yourself why we bring trees into our home, string them up with lights and ornaments, and oftentimes put them dangerously close to fireplaces, all in the name of the holidays? Well, it's a tradition that goes back centuries, all centered around the symbolism of evergreen plants and trees. Whether it was the Romans, Egyptians, or Vikings, they all considered evergreen plants that retained their color no matter the season as good luck and protection from illness and bad spirits in the winter months. Many saw display of such flora as praise for their various gods and deities who they thought looked down on these evergreen colors as symbols of renewed life and seasonal rebirth. But it wasn't until Germany in the 16th century that Christmas trees as we know them today started becoming regular fixtures in homes. Protestant reformer Martin Luther is said to have pioneered this tradition when he was walking home one night and caught a glimpse of the moonlight's sparkling reflection off a snow-covered branch of a pine tree. He was so stunned by this that he wanted to recreate this natural beauty in his own home. And so he did, eventually bringing a tree inside and carefully hanging candles on it 
to recreate that moonlit glow. In today's terms, we'd call him a trendsetter, and what he did caught on quick. And no, I'm not talking about fire. Though you have to imagine that some people didn't properly place these candles and got their first taste of a Yule log. In America, a place seemingly founded on the pursuit of religious freedom, there was quite a lot of resistance to this show of seasonal decoration when it first popped up in German settlements in the 1800s. Christians, who were protective of Christmas as a strict religious holiday, wanted nothing to do with caroling, decorations, or merriment. But in 1846, England's Queen Victoria, a trendsetter all her own, seemingly gave her seal of approval for the new decoration of a glistening Christmas tree, which had been introduced to her by her German-born husband, Albert. The family posed with their Christmas tree for an illustrated portrait that year. And almost instantly, it gave those in the United Kingdom, and eventually those hesitant in America, permission, in a way, to indulge in the seasonal display. This is all to say that Christmas trees aren't just a given in our society. In fact, they were only woven into the fabric of our holidays after some initial resistance. By the early 20th century, however, they were a commonplace for the holiday season in most homes, and they even towered over designated communal gathering spots in towns and cities across the country. It was at this point that Wilmington became eager for its own signature tree, to which it could draw its residents during the holidays. Here in Wilmington, it all seems to have started with local commissioner James Jimmy Wade a kind and famously friendly man who was known around town as High Buddy Wade for the greeting he would give every man he encountered. In 1927, Wade, who would eventually be elected mayor of Wilmington, was looking to strengthen its character by adding an evergreen epicenter for its holidays. So, for the reward of a single silver dollar, he put out a call to the community to find him the perfect tree within reasonable distance of the city that could become its official Christmas tree. Two schoolchildren are said to have found the winner, but it's a wonder it hadn't caught someone's imagination before then. In its heyday, the live oak that was determined to be the winner was said to have been a massive spectacle and that was the case even before it got its soon-to-be-seasonal lights. Standing 75 feet tall, its branches, stretched out from one end to another, made for a wingspan of 110 feet. It was truly a massive tree, but it wasn't just physically imposing. Historians also estimated that it was about 300 years old, when it was discovered as part of the contest. Now, I should preface all of this with an unfortunate confession. I never got to see the world's largest living Christmas tree in person. I moved to Wilmington the year after it was lit for the final time in 2012. So I never got to see what High Buddy Wade 
would have looked upon that fall in 1927 when he was presented with his winning tree. It was located in what was then Hilton Park, a community park shaped by some of the region's richest history. As researched by frequent Cape Fear Unearthed guest Chris E. Fonville Jr., ownership of the land that held the park can be traced back to before Wilmington was even a twinkle in a colonial developer's eye. Its most famous owner, however, who purchased it in 1753, was Cornelius Harnett Jr., the Revolutionary War patriot to whom we dedicated a whole episode last year. I would encourage you all to go listen to how he became such an icon in Wilmington and in North Carolina during the American Revolution. On this land that would become Hilton Park, he built out a plantation known as Maynard that had been constructed by a previous owner. Although he would die after being held prisoner by British officers during the war, his legacy loomed large over the 300 acres of riverside land for more than a century until his once stately mansion was demolished in 1892. The raising of this historic piece of architecture actually paved the way for the land's transition to a public park and eventually the discovery and creation of the world's largest living Christmas tree. According to Fonville, the Wilmington Street Railway Company oversaw the development of the park, at which residents found plenty of places for picnicking, a field for baseball games and other sporting events, and a pavilion for music and dancing. Pretty quickly, Hilton Park became a signature staple of the city, attracting big names like Buffalo Bill Cody's Wild West Show, featuring sharpshooter Annie Oakley. Unfortunately, it was also a gathering place for more sinister groups in the community, including the Red Shirts, the paramilitary arm of the white supremacist Democratic Party, who met in Hilton Park on November 8, 1898. Their meeting came just two days before the 1898 Wilmington Massacre and it's possible that they met within sight of the future world's largest living Christmas tree. Due to such racially motivated events in town, which kept black residents from attending public places like the park for decades after, and increasing competition from Wilmington's other and newer parks, Hilton Park started losing its steam and public interest in the 1920s. Fonville suggests that it's possible it was even Wade's desire to save the park from complete closure that led him to pick this tree, hoping it might reacquaint residents with the park and maybe even get them to start coming back. A year after it was chosen, the tree was lit for the first time in a ceremony on a cold Christmas Eve in 1928. For that ceremony, the tree was strung with 750 multicolored lights, and a healthy dose of Spanish moss served as natural decoration hanging from its branches. And at the top of the tree, city workers tasked with dressing it up for the occasion placed the finishing touch, the Star of the East, as it was called. 
Wilmington finally had its own community Christmas tree. And it wasn't just any holiday decoration. Carolers would sing under its branches, and High Buddy Wade would throw on a Santa suit each year and invited children to rattle off their wish list while visiting him inside a wooden Santa hut built at the base of the tree. In time, a manger scene was added under the tree, as was a decorative fireplace, with stockings stuffed and hanging from a mantle that children were encouraged to dig through for candy and prizes. It didn't take long for people to notice all of this effort and the growing spectacle that was Wilmington's tree. In 1930, during what was only its third season, the tree won first place in both state and national contests, looking to name the best living community Christmas tree. Over the next decade, the city would begin testing the limits of what it could do to the tree to make each year bigger and, more importantly, brighter than the one before it. More specifically, the tree's initial helping of lights grew from 750 in that first year to more than 1,000 by the end of the 1930s. And in the coming decades, that number would only get bigger. From the city's perspective, though, the brighter the tree, the more people it would draw in. As word spread, it wasn't just local residents who came to enjoy its luminescence. People from out of town, and then out of state, were among the thousands that flocked to it every year. And with the advent of new technology, speakers would soon be conspicuously hidden among its branches, broadcasting Christmas music from the radio as if it were magic. But the tree's skyrocketing popularity was dampened a bit in 1941, when America's entrance into World War II superseded the city's desire to celebrate the holidays. For the first time since 1928, the tree went unlit that Christmas, and it would remain dark through 1945. But in 1946 the city again recognized it had an attraction on its hands, and it resumed the tradition with renewed interest and renewed investment. In the November 23, 1946 edition of the State Magazine, a local resident wrote in to announce to all of North Carolina that the tree would be lit once again, and Fox movie tone cameras were coming to town to film the big lighting ceremony the footage of which would be shown in front of movies in theaters across the country. To show off for the cameras a bit, the ceremony featured every city church's choir singing together as one mighty collective. And to accommodate all the youthful wishes that had gone unheard for five years, the city hired nearly 40 people to play Santa, a role for which they had to be put through what essentially was Santa boot camp. After that year's ceremony, the Christmas cheer had officially returned to Wilmington, and the tree would remain the centerpiece of the holidays for the next four decades. At the height of its popularity, the tree was described as the world's largest living Christmas tree, 
a title that no one seemed to refute. After all, who was going to go out and measure all of the community Christmas trees in America and in the world? And this was well before the time when you could Google such information. But as time went on, ownership of that title became much more sought after and harder to defend, especially as Wilmington's tree began to show its age. In a promotional bulletin distributed by the Wilmington Chamber of Commerce in 1959, it was revealed that the annual dose of lights strung around the tree had grown to 4,500, and its helping of Spanish moss now weighed some five tons each year. Years later, the city put out its own promotional material and claimed that it was strapping the tree with 7,000 lights each year. It's no wonder, then, that the tree, which had managed to survive countless storms, hurricanes, and even the development of a city around it over its three centuries of life, was starting to feel the weight of its annual service to the community. By the 1980s, it was losing more and more branches each year. The ones that remained were more sparse than ever, and it had seemingly shrunk to about half the size it was when it was discovered in 1928. To combat this rapid aging, the city installed wires to help keep it upright and its branches from dragging the ground. Reports from the day also cited city workers who were scared to hang the lights each year out of fear that the branches could no longer hold their weight. Still, the community held true to its tradition and petitioned the city to keep lighting the tree each year, pushing back on any attempt to transition the communal gathering to a new tree or somewhere else downtown. Nothing could replace the world's largest living Christmas tree for Wilmington's residents, and they weren't ready to let it go. Unfortunately, they wouldn't have much of a choice in the matter by the time a new century had arrived. First, construction on Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway, beginning in 2001 on the north side of town, limited access to Hilton Park, making it harder for residents to get out to the tree to celebrate the holidays. Then, the September 11th terrorist attacks only furthered those limitations, specifically regarding security concerns for the Sweeney Water Treatment Plant, which was located on the park property. Still, by the mid-2000s, the annual ceremony was held as it had been for half a century. Santa made his appearances, carolers gathered in song, and stories were told. But soon, the community started singing a different tune. With the tree only becoming more of a hazard, the city had to wrestle with the best course of action. Retirement or demolition? Eventually, both would come to pass. The Christmas of 2012 would prove to be the last time the tree was lit. And by then, it wasn't even the world's largest living Christmas tree anymore. That year, it measured just 50 feet tall and 75 feet wide. In 1987, it had relinquished its world-renowned title to a tree in the German town 
of Zellam Hammersbach, sorry if I butchered that, which had a tree that measured 102 feet tall. Although, you kind of have to wonder, was it just a coincidence? Or was Germany, which was, after all, the birthplace of the modern-day Christmas tree, just waiting for its chance to take back the title? In 2015, three years after the lights went off, the city tore the tree from its roots, citing concerns it might fall on its own. With that final action, a Christmas tradition that had linked so many in the Wilmington region was gone. But the memories of it are still alive and well. So much of what we talk about on this podcast has long passed the time when it existed in the memories of those residents still alive to tell the stories themselves. But that's not the case with the world's largest living Christmas tree. Plenty of people still know what it was like to stand beneath its branches and look up, marveling at its intertwined lights and evergreen leaves. They remember sitting on Santa's lap or hearing a local historian recite the night before Christmas. Just like the Christmas tree had to be accepted as part of the American identity in the 1800s, so too did the world's largest one have to find its way into Wilmington's own identity. And it's still embedded there in our identity as a city, even though it's gone. There is, however, a chance that the majesty of the world's largest living Christmas tree isn't completely lost forever. Several years ago, a local group known as Wilmington City Progress Incorporated publicly recognized the role that the world's largest living Christmas tree played as a community symbol across its 80 years of service. So the group raised more than $22,000 to buy a new tree from Florida, which it envisions as a successor, not a replacement, to the tree that once stood in Hilton Park one that can help carry on the traditions of the original. In 2018, the city signed off on its approval for the tree to be planted in the parking lot of Legion Stadium on Carolina Beach Road, where it was thought that the seasonal sports vacancy provided the perfect opportunity for people to gather once again for a shared communal holiday tradition. This new tree was set to be lit for the first time in 2019. But a drought hit right after it was planted, and its health was put in jeopardy. And once it was sufficiently restored to good health, it was early 2020, and COVID-19 had just hit, changing everyone's plans. Today, City Councilman Charlie Rivenbark said the plan is to light this new tree, which is already substantial in size, for the first time in 2021. By then, 97 years will have passed since Wilmington's first community Christmas tree made its debut. In that time, the world has changed. The city has changed. Its people have changed. But what hasn't changed is our willingness to find new holiday traditions that we can hold on to just as tightly as our old ones. With this new tree set to debut next year, 
maybe it'll be the first moment when a new generation gets to start making their own memories under the branches of Wilmington's largest living Christmas tree. That's it for this episode of Cape Fear Unearthed and the story of the world's largest living Christmas tree. Thank you so much for joining me. We'll be back soon with our final episode of 2020. But until then, please make sure that you're a member of our Facebook group, where listeners can ask questions about our episodes and share their own memories of the region's history. In that group, I post extra content for each of our episodes and all of my coverage of local history for the Star News. You can find that group by searching Cape Fear Unearthed on Facebook. You can also sign up for the Cape Fear Unearthed newsletter, which goes out every week. Sign up for that newsletter at starnewsonline.com newsletters. As always, you can get a list of all the books, articles, and resources used in researching this podcast in the show notes of each episode. Cape Fear Unearthed was written, edited, and hosted by me, Hunter Ingram. You can find more of my work at starnewsonline.com or on Twitter by following me at Hunter underscore Wesley. Additional editing for the show is done by Adam Fish. This podcast is made possible by listeners and readers like you. Support local journalism and Cape Fear Unearthed by subscribing to the Star News today at starnewsonline.com slash subscribe. And while you're subscribing to things, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or wherever you get the show so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a review, which will help more people find Cape Fear Unearthed. Until next time, get out and explore the Cape Fear region on your own. You never know what you might unearth. <laughs>